I always think that going back to our worst moments and our hardest times, just to go back to that moment and just remember what it took to get over that. Welcome to Career Competitor, a podcast that is a part of the CG Sports Network. I'm Steve Meller, and we are the show that seeks to light the competitive fire within you in order to succeed within your career. As always, I am excited to be delivering yet more content that will challenge you on a personal and professional level in the hope I can provide you with a few takeaways that you can instill to take your daily performance to new heights. My guest today offers such a unique perspective when it comes to all of this, but I want to remind you all to firstly, find the time to follow, subscribe, and rate the show, specifically if you are listening to me on iTunes. Furthermore, be sure to follow me on all my social media outlets, which you can conveniently access through my website at careercompetitor.com. There, you can also find all the episodes of the show, some insight into our mission, and you can even reach out to me, provide some much welcome feedback, or maybe you just want to introduce yourself as the ideal guest for the show. Either way, I would love to hear from you. Now, as far as this episode is concerned, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with former dancer and actress Keely Cat Wells, who today is a disability activist dedicated to making social, systematic, and economical change. Keely is the founder and CEO of Sea Talent, Zeta Studios, and Zeta Finance. Now, Keely's work with Sea Talent which is a Los Angeles-based talent management company that represents deaf and disabled artists, is where so much of her role as an activist for change is happening. And we will learn much more about her roles, her story, as well as the difficult experience of going from an able-bodied person to a disabled person. But what I challenge you all to pay attention to is her spirit in how she has approached each and every component of her journey so far. Whether good or bad, there seems to have been no experience that Keeley has not grown from, and this interview will do wonders for anyone looking to build a stronger spirit within their life. Be sure to hang around at the conclusion of the interview to hear my short yet impactful takeaways from the discussion in my career competitor, Keys to Success. But let's waste no more time and welcome in Keeley Cat Wells, and I hope you all enjoy. All right, well, I am absolutely uh, excited to be bringing on Keely Cat Wells to the Career Competitor Podcast. First and foremost, Keely, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Doing well, complaining about the uh, the very hot California weather in true British uh, style. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I have to deal with that uh, on a daily basis for about six months a year living in Louisiana as I do. Um, but yes, I, I can relate and fully empathize uh, with you when it comes to that stuff. But uh, already you've given away that I'm, I'm getting to speak to a, uh, a fellow Brit, which is something that I've only been able to do a handful of times on this show so far. So I always appreciate it. And I think listeners always hear my uh, my Britishness come out just a little bit more when I'm talking to a fellow Englishman. Um, but uh, very excited to have you 
join us. And before we start to really get into some of the, the fantastic stuff I know we're going to be discussing here today, why don't you catch up our listeners on specifically what it is you are doing today? Sure, thank you. So I am the CEO of a company called Sea Talent, which is a talent management company that represents deaf and disabled actors. I'm also the CEO and founder of a new company called Zeta Studios, which is the world's first fully accessible film and TV studio for people with disabilities. Um, I'm a disability activist, and uh, my work really revol revolves around access and, um, and access in the entertainment industry. Yeah, just some really powerful stuff. And, and for me personally, when we got connected a couple of weeks back, I I was just filled with questions and, and really just curious about so many things to do with what it is you're doing today. But before we uh, really start to, to dive into that stuff, I think it's going to really help everybody uh, just to get a feel for what's sort of brought you to this point and, and why it is that you are so passionate about what it is you do today. So let's just rewind uh, a little bit and go back to what it was that you really first found as a passion in life and that was that was acting and that was dancing. So just talk to us a little bit about your background in, in both of those fields growing up in uh, in England. Yeah, so I grew up in West Sussex in the UK and I grew up in the countryside. I grew up on a racehorse yard riding horses. Uh, my parents trained racehorses for a living. So I thought when I was younger, I was going to be a jockey. Uh -huh. And one day my mother told me that I might lose my teeth and I <laughs> not enjoy that very much at all. So she edged me away from, from being a jockey and from riding and threw me into dance, mainly I think because she did not want me to go into the horse industry. I think even more than acting and dance, it is one of the most unstable careers that anyone could go into and so unreliable. Yeah. So, but I think she kind of kicked herself in the foot when she put me into dance because acting and drama and all of that, I think definitely comes up to a close second in that. Absolutely. So yeah, then I started dance class, fell in love with it. Um, and I eventually got an agent. I started doing kind of small commercials as a child. Um, I started working very young and I did a Disney TV show at the age of around eight. And I was making an income when I was a kid and I thought that was so cool and so different for my friends. So I then did a West End show and I was in that show for two years and it was, it was grueling. It was a lot of work. And I think from that, that really kind of kicked off my, my want and my desire to do this forever and to make a, a real career of it. And when I grow up, I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was never any good at school. I did not pass any classes. I was terrible at math and English, and I still am. Um, so this seemed like the perfect, the perfect journey for me. That sounds, it sounds like I'm almost listening to myself in many ways. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities that I know my parents would 100% agree with looking back on on maybe how I approach school. And uh, as we were talking about before we started recording here, you know, the, the, the performing arts is something that I've always remained very attached to, something I was involved with in at one point, almost in a past life it feels like now. And uh, the the competitive nature, and you kind of touched on it a little bit there with, with dance and with acting is is truly something that never really gets the acknowledgement that it deserves. And, uh, you know, that is one thing that maybe people that are, are used to listening to this show thinking, okay, 
talk to us about when she was an athlete. Well, dancing and, and acting in, from a competitive standpoint is right up there with any sport on the planet. Uh, so with that being said, just talk to me a little bit about how you may be adapted to the competitive world, the competitive element of what it was you were going into at that you know, younger age, as, as, as young as eight by the sounds of it. Yeah, dance taught me so much. From such a young age, I learned time management. I learned perseverance. I learned creativity. I learned stress management. I learned how to uh, eat correctly. I learned how I would keep mental clarity. And I learned that so young. And I think that has helped me so much throughout my whole life. Because I remember when I started to go to auditions and you would see so many other people that looked exactly like you, you would you know, suddenly just compare yourself straight away to every single person in that room. And you have to have the confidence in yourself to be like, well, I've done everything that I possibly can to prepare myself to do the best I can. And just to ignore everyone else in the room and just be confident in what you've done. And I remember learning so young that to be able to give myself that confidence, I had to do all of these things. I couldn't skip any days. I had to make those sacrifices. And and I had to also accept criticism. Mm. I think learning that so young was incredibly beneficial. And you also learn rejection. I, you know, you get what one in every 50 roles that you go for. Wow. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's a it very is. tough industry. It is. And, and I think that that's a really, really important point in that a lot of sport, as you grow with the sport, maybe you start to feel a little bit of disappointment and failure as you go but rejection really isn't something that you have to deal with and i i for one believe that rejection is is as raw an emotion that any child or teenager or adult for that matter has to really learn how to deal with because it is such a a uh, a realistic thing that we have to encounter within life whether it's on a personal level or a professional level so you know, rejection is such a, a, a an interesting component to all of this. But I mean, you touched on the way that you were able to remain focused on you, the individual. But I, I would have to assume that didn't come naturally. Like when, when did you start to feel yourself maybe comparing yourself a little too much? And when did you learn, okay, now I need to start focusing on Keely and, and Keely alone? Yeah, I definitely learned that because I knew I was never the best at anything. When I was riding, I was never the best horse rider. When I was in dance, I never had the natural turnout or the natural ability or the natural body shape. I was never the best. I never had the best looks, but I was okay. I never had the you know the best skill, but I was okay. I was always just that girl who was okay. So I was like, what can I do that's going to make me stand out and give me something, give me the edge in these auditions? And I learned that that was doing what others don't. And that was going beyond and above what everyone else was doing. And it was very difficult to find out how to do that. Mm. It was at the beginning just putting in more hours. um, And it was then searching for kind of other opportunities that maybe those others weren't going for. And I remember I did the craziest things. When I was about 10 years old, they had the West End show of Oliver, in, uh, not Oliver, sorry, uh, Lion King hmm. in 
in London. And obviously, they are amazing with authenticity in that show, and they only take people of color. But I insisted that my mother sent in my headshot this white blonde girl from, I want to be in that show so badly. <laughs> and she sent it and she was like, this is just a terrible idea, Keely. But I was young. I had no idea. I just wanted to be in everything and have every opportunity and do what other people didn't. Yeah, that that's a really very very unique perspective uh for someone at a at such a younger age i think that is something that few people maybe listening to this now in in their 20s and their 30s have still sort of been trying to find a way to juggle okay what what's going to be my lane what's going to be the way that i pursue my optimal self and it sounds like that's really what you were trying to establish even back then at, at the age of 10 and 11 years old that how can I find a lane that I can really be passionate about staying in and committing to and knowing that this is going to be the lane that leads me to my optimal self and trying to go above and beyond where others maybe weren't willing to is certainly a trait that is going to separate you from a lot of people. And uh, out, of, out of curiosity, was there a moment where you uh, found that that really set you apart in a way that maybe took your career to that next level that you always wanted to get to? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, it took me to the two-year contract that I, that and basically secured my kind of, uh, my commitment to the industry. Yeah. Um, but it also brought so many negative side effects too, because mm. I then started to see, I was like, I've set this bar for myself. And if I go down from this bar, then I will never forgive myself and I'll never be good and I'll never do anything ever again. So it's really balancing that kind of perfectionism was never built in me. It was never something that I had growing up, but it was something I definitely learned. And I learned that with trying to be the perfect me to be better than other people and then trying to hit that every time and every day, it gets exhausting. Absolutely. it was definitely a reminder that at the end of the day, just take a step back, look at what you've achieved and carry on that right path that's meant for you and just keep doing your best. That's fantastic sentiment. Yeah, really great. And it is it is a an industry that forces you to mature quickly. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And you can hear that, you know, everything that you're talking about there was you being forced into having to mature and having to see things that few girls your age were you know capable of seeing that way and uh, you you were forced to do that but some really fascinating stuff and again it, it really does support everything I was saying there at the beginning in terms of dance and acting being just as if not more competitive than any sport we've ever had on this show uh, so I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to get more detail on that but specifically now moving towards where you are in your role today what was it about your story your life story that maybe brought you to a point where you felt the need to become more involved in the areas that you are now involved in today so when i was 16 i was determined to go to one of the best dance colleges in england and after a year of not getting in and then re-auditioning i finally got into into this amazing prestigious dance college and halfway through my training um actually less than half about six months into my training it was a three-year course i only managed to stay six months Mm. i started to get sick 
Um, I started to not be able to eat any food. I was in pain every day. And I went to the doctors and I got misdiagnosed with an eating disorder. Now, in the industry, uh, many people are known to get eating disorders. It's kind of a annoying stereotype and stigma that the dance industry does have. And I unfortunately got stereotyped by doctors. And for a year, they told me that I had anorexia and bulimia, and they didn't even treat that well. If it was anorexia and bulimia, they they treated that terribly. They ended up giving me morphine. And I was basically morphine reliant. I had to go into A&E every week to get rehydrated because at this point I couldn't even drink any fluids. Um, And then I had a feeding tube because I couldn't eat anything. So my life kind of really started to deteriorate. And when you're at this fast-paced, very prestigious college that you've worked so hard to get into that's costing your parents a lot of money, do whatever you can to stay training And I remember going in, I looked just terrible. And I would just sit in front of these incredible ballerinas and people in perfect shape. And I would sit at the front of the class and just have to watch. And it would be the most heartbreaking thing, but I was learning. And I think I learned so much just watching them do their thing. I I think I learned more about life in those lessons than than I ever did about dance or anything like that Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of the the real big turning point in my life um and then about a year later after going to various different doctors and surgeons and trying to find out what was wrong with me uh a doctor finally did the a correct test an Mm -hmm. x-ray and um they operated and the operation went wrong and that led to a series of eight major operations within a year um and then at the age of uh, about I think it's 17 I became disabled so my life just took a complete turn and um, yeah and that was that was kind of definitely a, a milestone that a big turning point yeah and this is I mean firstly thank you just for the the, the sheer honesty and, and, and the, the detail in that story because for me personally the the one thing I hear is that for all those adversities that you you had to go through and always sort of show up with any form of a smile on your face in those environments must have been near impossible at that age the 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 one thing that jumps out to me is going from being a able-bodied person to being disabled and and that as a transition i can't imagine what you must have gone through and if would you mind just maybe touching on a little bit of that transition and what you sort of dealt with in that area yeah, for a year, for, t- for about a year and a half, I was really fighting for just my life, fighting to go back to some sort of normality. And the hardest thing for me was just not knowing what was wrong. And as you say, having to put on that brave face and having to pretend to your family, everything is fine, pretend to your grandparents, everything is absolutely fine, I'm right. happy and all of this, that was probably the hardest part. And I think that set me up very nicely for this huge shift in my life. And I think when I did become disabled and I had that final operation, it was such a relief because I was better. I could finally get back to some form of living. Because at this point, I really wasn't living. I was just 
breathing and in bed and just surviving absolutely just surviving so when i did have that operation i didn't really think about it at the time that i was now disabled it was only when i came out into the world and i was ready to kind of get back into some form of um a career and going after my goals that i realized the world was not made for me it was not made for someone with a disability and that's what really made me realize that i had now a disability yeah that's that's a that's a part of this that that really is an incredible component and and probably the biggest giveaway of any as to why you're doing what it is you're doing today in that you've gone from being able-bodied to being disabled and suddenly now looking around and asking the question why is this world not been created for people like me to to be able to function the same way anybody anybody that's able-bodied is able to and i i think that is something that in my lifetime working within sport i have come across numerous people uh, of disability and sense that from them that there is a an afterthought if you will for for how they're going to go through life and be able to experience things the same way an able-bodied person would be able to to experience them but the the one thing i definitely want to do here is is try and look at all of this now with a forward-thinking optimistic mindset as possible in terms of the work that you're doing today and it just becomes really clear in these roles that you are obviously competing every single day, not necessarily for you, but on behalf of so many other people. So just talk to us a little bit about now these roles in more detail that you uh, that you introduced yourself with today, uh, starting off with, uh, you know, your position at the uh, with with C Talent. Yes. So I realized so I went kind of back into acting rather than dance. Um, I was a little bit scared to go back into the dance world with a disability that just seemed completely out of reach for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I entered into the acting world and I came out to the US. I remember getting on the airplane for the first time since my operations and all of my health issues and being like, how am I going to survive this airplane journey? I just remember that's so clear. It's yeah weird feeling and i think anyone listening with a disability will be able to relate to that i'm sure they can and then you get to la you have your first audition how does your newfound disability affect that um often i feel a bit like an undercover agent because i've got an invisible disability until you see it it's a a weird kind of situation and seeing they made me put on a bikini and various different clothing and they noticed my disability. And then I remember getting an email the next day saying that I couldn't have the role anymore um, because of my disability. Wow. So from that, that really made me realize that um, this is happening to so many other people and let's change this. Me having to fight for a diagnosis and really create my own path to health again made me realize that I can create any path that I want to create. So let's create accessible one for other people as well as myself and that really led to to the formation of sea talent and now we represent um amazing amazing talent and just today actually i was finally able to tell everyone that we got a sponsorship from american eagle outfitters and they offered us twenty thousand dollars to build our build our company which was an amazing win 
Wow. I mean, thank you so much, firstly, for sharing that news with me on, on, on this podcast. Uh, that's just so wonderful <laughs> to hear that a large company, a large organization like that is is so confident and supportive in, in this movement uh, that, you're, that you're working on there with C-Talent. And in, in terms of the, the overall mission now moving forwards, what do you foresee as the future looking like for, for, for the company, for, for all of the, the clients that you have under you? I really see us making headway with breaking these stereotypes that have been so inbuilt in the media. Mm -hmm. Often when we think of people with disabilities, the first thing that comes to mind is like Captain Hook or the Hunchback of Notre Dame or those or the Joker or, you know, characters that are either that are that have either been scary characters, that have either been a burden or that have just not been able to contribute to society and they get trophies for getting out of bed. Yes. So I would really love that we make such an impact that we change the way the world views disability. And we've made progress. We've had our clients book roles that have not specified that they've needed to have a disability in the role. Um, and I say that, but we want people to notice the disability. We come from a certain culture that needs to be recognized. Um, but I would also really like to see uh, our company also representing CEOs and leaders and other companies at the forefront of disability and really have uh, disability represented behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. So I definitely see us kind of taking that journey and, and start to represent, you know, many different people of all different, all different uh, jobs. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming uh, what the work that you're doing with uh, Zeta Studios as well is is going to be a, a, just a huge component and, and catalyst for all of this. So just talk to us a little bit about uh, the work that you've done there. Thank you, yes. So I'm hoping, so Zeta Studios really came out of realizing that I was so sick and tired of my clients having to drag wheelchairs up the stairs or get changed in storage rooms because there's no accessible trailer on set. Right. And the idea of being able to create access myself rather than have to wait for it to happen, I just thought, let's go with it. Let's do it. Let's create a major studio that is really going to imprint a footprint in this industry and suggest a production and really entice them into being able to include people with disabilities in all aspects of production because mm -hmm. we're going to make it so easy for them to have the access. And to you know to really implement all types of access like sensory access uh, cognitive access as well as obviously what everyone thinks that access is which is physical access mm -hmm. um, but it goes beyond a ramp it goes beyond compliance yeah that's that's fantastic news and out of curiosity is, is that something that has been completed now no unfortunately it's not been completed yet okay. We're in a very exciting stage um, where we've got planning permission in with uh, with land in the UK. Yeah. And people do ask me, they're like, why are you talking about it now? Because it's not built yet. And I'm like, well, I want people to do this. If I can yeah. give someone the idea and they can create it before me, fine, please go ahead and do it. Yeah. I would be so happy. Yeah. Um, so we're very much hoping that we get this planning permission granted. We've come a long way um in the past couple of months so we'll see yeah it's uh, definitely an exciting turning point at the moment for the studio absolutely and i'm, I'm glad i asked the question because for, for for that exact reason uh because I, that that is for for me so many of these movements 
only have the opportunity to become what they eventually become because we start talking about it. And yeah. if we if we don't if we keep this a secret until it's built, it's going to make it so much harder uh, to to actually get the momentum required to build it. And, and so for. For, for for me to hear that it isn't complete um, isn't necessarily a, a a negative component to this at all. Like to your point, if someone's listening to this now and says, "What a great idea! We should do that. We should build one of those." Like, go ahead. Let's let's get this momentum going in some way, shape, or form, in order to to make this a common occurrence as opposed to an anomaly that's that's out there in the world. Yes, and I love the idea of people. Um, able to look at me who is a young female disabled woman who you know what what gives me the right to build something this big and this exciting and this I don't have the experience that's probably required to do something like this but I'm going to do it anyway because I believe in paving your own way and doing what you want to do so hopefully that would maybe make someone think about their route and their path and maybe that they can go after their goals sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for someone who who describes himself as uh, a girl that does things just okay, you, you're doing some pretty great things. <laughs> you're doing some pretty great things. Let me tell you that. Um, but one thing I would love to learn from you is how you've maybe used your experiences, and, and you get you've given us so many examples of that now. How how you've maybe used your experiences to help coach and to help advise your clients. To, to 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 not only go and pursue their dreams but to to bounce back to bounce back when maybe they feel as though they've they've been somewhat taken off track so how do you maybe have the role of a coach let's say in the uh the success of these clients that are working with you i really love the idea of being a coach or a mentor hmm. and I feel like anyone can be because I think we can all learn from our own experiences and we can all share things that we've learned along the way. And I think many people in the disabled community, we have really high hopes for ourselves. We have big standards to live up to because we have already come against so much um, that we believe we can do more. And I always think that going back to our worst moments and our hardest times and a lot of us have had near-death experiences and very difficult things that we've had to accomplish and if we hit a roadblock or if we feel negative or that you know we don't know what's going to happen next or we feel stuck in our lives and our careers just to go back to that moment and just remember what it took to get over that and just to bring it back and down to the ground and take the ego out of our careers because I often find myself wrapped up in this like just going back to when I was a child setting myself these goals and these standards and now what <laughs> you know and this overachiever kind of attitude so I think just being able to always bring it back to those moments and just take it back to gratitude and I guess that's such an overused word nowadays um, but I I think if we really find the true meaning of what it means to us that it it can be really effective. Yeah. Wow. What a powerful uh, way to sort of answer that question because it's funny. I, here, here I am asking you about the role in which you you play with with these clients, and what you've actually done is provided me an answer which is gonna be applicable to just anybody listening to the show. And and that's what I love about our show is that we we have this opportunity to bring to light 
uh, advice and a mindset that you're using in what I would call a very niche area and 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 applying it to anybody and everybody that's listening that's that's working in 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 goodness knows what area and, and I think that's what's so fantastic about the show I think this is what's so obviously incredible about your story uh Keely in terms of just really what it is you're doing today and with that in mind before I let you go please 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 tell everybody where they can find more information about yourself about all this work that you're doing today Thank you. I'm on good old Instagram, uh, which is just my name, Keely Catwells. Uh, and then there's my website, KeelyCatwells.com. And then there's Sea Talent website, uh, Sea Talent's website, which is SeaTalent.org. And then there's Zeta Studios' website too, uh, which, but it, it can all be found on my website and my Instagram. So that's probably the best place to go. Wonderful. Perfect. Well, Keely, I cannot thank you enough for, for joining us on Career Competitor today. There was so many questions, like I told you at the beginning, that I that I was just so excited to gain more insight into, and uh, you've been able to deliver that and some, which has just been so wonderful of you to to be so candid, quite honestly, about some of your experiences and, and obviously this great work that you're doing today. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for all this fantastic information and, and some really important dialogue, and uh, good luck with everything as well. Thank you so much for having me. And I am a huge fan of this podcast, as I said, this is a very big honor for me. Ah, well, I appreciate you throwing that in at the end. Thanks again, Keely. Thank you. Wow, such an absolute pleasure to have Keely joining us on the show today. And as always, I'm going to leave you with my career competitor, Keys to Success. Firstly, my competitive call. That is going to be Coach From a coach myself to you, the listener, I encourage you all to find ways to coach more within the work you are doing. Now, I don't want you to go out and start blindly giving advice to people as if you know better than them. But what I would love for you to do is to look for opportunities to pass on any lessons and teachings you may have experienced and benefited from yourself, especially if you are seeing people struggle with things that you yourself have before. Keely is not just the activist for change within her community because of the company she has created, but even more so because of her willingness to pass on and share how she has overcome obstacles and achieved success against the odds. This is a selfless act where the person you are coaching may be the only person to benefit from this. But I believe we have a duty to do this within our world so as to keep advancing everyone around us. Next, my teachable takeaway. How have the transitions within your life impacted the next chapter? Listening to Keely explain in detail the challenging phase in her life where she very slowly learned of the ailment she was dealing with and how it led to her becoming disabled is something few of us could comprehend, let alone deal with. But every step of this journey and transition within her life seemed to shape how she would not only handle the next step, but how she would get the most from it. Transitions are something we must look to use to our advantage, no matter how difficult, but it requires analyzing what we went through and what we can take from it. So I challenge you to think about what transitions in your past could maybe shape a stronger version of you today. Finally, my motivational move. Rejection must refine you, not define you. It took me listening to the story of an eight-year-old budding actress to realize that we do not discuss dealing with rejection enough. 
Think about the job you are in today and ask yourself, how many rejections did I have to experience in order to get to this point? Hey, maybe you're one of the lucky ones who has been offered every job you've ever applied for. But maybe I am talking to someone right now that is just starting out on their career journey. And I am telling you, there is a high chance you will suffer rejection at some point. But those moments will always be a crossroads where you can either be defined by the rejection and tell yourself you are not good enough, or you will let it refine you and force you to work on a weakness you might have. I relate to this motivational move massively as growing up, I truly thrived on people thinking I was not good enough. But if you are listening to this and you know you still have many more levels you want to achieve within your career, well, just prepare to receive a rejection or two along the way. But thrive on those moments and come back stronger next time. That is it for both my keys to success and for the episode. I encourage you all to look more into Keeley's work at KeeleyCatWells.com. And in the meantime, best of luck with everything you have going on within your world. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.